it's safe to assume that under normal circumstances, hell, under any circumstance, dire or otherwise, there would never be an occasion where I'd willingly subject myself to a shopping excursion with Carla Danny. But current circumstances are such that I have subsisted on a diet of Raymond noodles and scotch for the better part of five days. I'm dangerously short on toilet paper and alcohol and too disabled to remedy the situation on my own. Right now, I am not a happy person. No more hooch until you start participating in its procurement, old man. If you want to get your blackout on tonight, I suggest a shower. And for God's sakes, can you please change into something that doesn't smell like Dex Morneau a month past his expiration date? What followed was a fair amount of metaphorical foot tapping as I rolled the sourness of her jab around in my mouth while still sprawled out in my decades-old lazy boy. Since I'm currently unable to see Carla's left eyebrow shoot upward, She's resorted to making sounds to illustrate her moods. Aside from the three different tones of groan and or moan, I've managed to label irritated, tired, and about to blow a gasket. I've become familiar with other cues I'm sure Carla did not intend me to notice. The stifled sigh, often accompanied by a deep intake of breath which speaks to an impatience that she probably doesn't think it fair to articulate. There's also a quiet little sniffle that began during my hospital stay and has made enough appearances that I've learned it involves some level of girly eye moisture. Obviously, I'm not supposed to know this, so I pretend I don't, because I'm a giver. Carla's not a whiner, and even though she's managed to suffer this fool well, I do sign her paycheck. But none of it is part of her normal personality, which a month ago I'd have described as chafing. Don't get me wrong, she's still chafing, only now she's added weird and suspiciously accommodating to her repertoire. But I'm starting to sense the cracks. It's become painfully clear that Carla spends most of her waking hours tamping Carla down, presumably for my benefit. We mustn't upset the blind man. I could be wrong about all that, or any part of it. Blindness has transformed me into the unreliable narrator in the room. I cannot adequately express how much this pisses me off. Actually, I can. Ever tried to bathe a cat? Well, there you go. This shopping trip is the unenviable context within which I find myself banging out a staccato with my blind stick, which is a recent and very grudging acquisition that I'm not in the mood to discuss, other than to say that when told I shouldn't call it a blind stick, I opted for fuck stick, and that stuck. I'm told it's white. I know it's lightweight, got a little flex to it, and stands to about my waist when held vertically. So I'm tripping along, oh so goddamn grudgingly, next to my assistant, who's tethered to me by way of a grip on my left arm as she tugs me across a busy parking lot, a vast expanse of space. I should remind you, I cannot see. I am, however, 
privy to its sounds and smells, thanks to this bullshit state of blindness, which has resulted in the constant overstimulation of my other senses. Car exhaust, clomping boots, slushy snow underfoot, whining children, clattering carts filled with rustling plastic bags, and sweet baby Jesus, Carla's nat-nat fucking nattering. I can tell she's reading from a list as she nudges me past the Salvation Army's equivalent of P.T. Barnum and his harsh squall of jingle bells. Perhaps the most unpleasant sound in the history of sounds. Then, it's through the swipe swish of automatic doors, and when the burst of hot air assaults me, I feel the dust of a million sloughed human skin cells catch in my nose hair. Eggs, milk, fruit, maybe some vegetables, maybe some bagged frozen ones. Oh, I need to get some ground beef, toilet paper, mm, Drano, that toilet keeps clogging and the super's being a jerk. Oh, and I need some celery to make some pasta salad. Oh, we need mayonnaise. I stumbled into Carla when she released my arm too quickly so she could begin fighting with a cart. Oh, crap. We can't forget detergent because you are wearing your last pair of clean underwear. So laundry needs to happen at some point. There's a great deal of metallic banging and general sounds of disgruntled woman against shopping cart as she continues. And don't let me forget fabric softener because it is very clear that you've never been properly introduced to the stuff. Jerk. Crap. Stuff. Carla used to speak like a trucker. Or if you prefer, longshoreman. Union boss. Former child star. Mafia capo. Real housewife of New Jersey. Whatever you associate with someone whose unfortunate repartee includes multiple expletives per sentence and little finesse with regard to self-editing particularly in public. There was a time I hated it. Now that it's gone, I realize I liked her better before. Every colorless word that passes between her lips goes down like a kidney stone, lacerating my innards. And before you accuse me of hyperbole, please understand, I've twice had the pleasure of passing pebbles. A few weeks ago, my assistant would have been assaulting the metal centipede of shopping carts before her with all manner of dirty bombs and resourceful adjectives while yanking her rolling prize into submission. But that was before we killed her scumbag, child-murdering ex-husband, Lorenzo Rios, who now sleeps with the rest of whatever fertilizes an Everglades soil bed once an eight-foot gator has its way with you. That was also before we got mixed up in this embezzlement scheme. Before the FBI got involved. Before someone tried to set my favorite bar on fire. Before Mercedes Sandoval, the ex's former partner, started stalking us and eventually disappeared. And before the explosion in Carla's bathroom, which ultimately led to my possibly, but not for sure, blindness. Before all that, when faced with shopping carts refusing to disgorge from one another, Carla would have been fuck-dissing and goddamn-thatting and motherfucking, cock-sucking, biggity-bobbity-fucking-booing all over this grocery store vestibule, which, due to its recycling center, smells of stale beer and clinical depression. Carla, not only do I have zero desire to commiserate about the state of my underwear in the middle of Wall of China Mart, with the rest of the little piggies bellying up to the trough of consumerism, it's clear 
You're not shopping for me. Couple packs of beef jerky, frozen burritos, olives, a hunk of cheese, maybe some Doritos, and I'm good. Nowhere on my list of needs resides anything akin to produce. Unless you want to grab some fresh jalapenos. But I should warn you, their ingestion will only exacerbate our septic issues. So I'll stipulate to the TP and drain cleaner. Add disposable razors to the list. My electric one's on the fritz. Oh, is that why you look like Joaquin Phoenix on a live art bender? I ignored what I assumed was a slight. Since most of her pop culture references are lost on me and felt around to get my bearings. Carla grabbed my hand and placed it on the handle of the cart. I'm standing to her right, left hand on the cart, right hand brandishing my fuckstick. Because for some unfathomable reason, when I'm not tapping it on the ground, my first goddamn instinct is to wave it around in front of me like some sort of ineffectual sword. Carla's taken to gently swatting my arm in the general direction of the floor when this happens. She reaches across my chest and pushes my arm down, and of course that irritates me because it bangs against the cart on the way down. Its clattering refrain sounds to my ears a lot like, Hey everyone, check out the blind sot stage right. Isn't he fucking adorable? God damn it. The tip of the stick hit the floor as another hunk of my pride chips off and rolls to a stop beside it. Hey, it's not a big deal, Morno. Carla says it quietly as she slides her right hand over my left and we begin moving forward into the den. This is the kind of thing that does it. The thing that takes a scoop out of my core every goddamn time. These little forced intimacies. And by forced, I don't mean due to any reluctance on her part. Carla mostly does what needs to be done, and it comes from an honest place, regardless of the human she's dealing with. But I know why it's there, and that part is about as pleasant as gnawing on gristle. On the surface, it's innocent enough. She's helping me get my physical bearings. Put her hand on mine so I could understand where our bodies were in conjunction with one another and the grocery cart, so I can feel my way through the navigation. I don't doubt she's doing her best, trying to keep my discomfort to a minimum. But I'm old and not particularly amenable to change. It's like trying to teach a rock how to do a cartwheel. Carla's figuring it out as she goes, just like me. But the presence of these little forced intimacies is far removed from how we normally interact. All it does is highlight the space between where I am and where I want to be, which is, by the way, anywhere I'm not required to rub up against another hominid for the foreseeable future, intimately or otherwise. What I need is some fucking space with a capital S. Unfortunately, need is relegated to want when circumstances prevent the object of said need from being possible. A blind private detective left to stew in his own juices is fine if he's acclimated. So that's what this is, I guess. Forced acclimation by way of grocery shopping. Another thing that keeps tripping me up is the lack of color. All my life, I've had a form of synesthesia, 
where I see people's emotions in color. By way of clinical explanation, it's a neurological condition where atypical neural connections pop into already occupied territory, causing a collective and confused chatter between the senses. For years, I thought everyone saw things the way I do. It wasn't until adulthood that I realized they didn't. I'd taken it for granted, because it just was. Now, my entire kaleidoscope of hues consists of black and an occasional pinprick of light. It throws a wrench in my works. I've always been short on social skills, so without the color, it's mostly guesswork. As we trundle along, Carla stops to retrieve items from shelves, aisle after aisle, narrating her every move. I'm doing what I imagine is the equivalent of watching a movie dubbed in another language, but in reverse. I have to translate her words into visuals. Okay, I'm going to get this one because it says septic friendly on the package, but it's only one ply, so you might want to make a mental note so you can use a little bit more. Obviously, we're talking about toilet paper. And she's just instructed me that for adequate ass-wiping coverage, I'll need a few more squares. Fucking peachy. Not the extra squares. I'm referring to what sounds like an elderly female standing too near for my comfort and has just stage-whispered over the Christmas Muzak being piped into hell on earth. Harold... If you've been more emotionally available over the years, your daughter might take you shopping. If I could do it without looking like an ass, I'd find Carla's face with my hand and wipe away the smirk that I know currently resides there. What the rude passers-by sees as a 50-something tall, lanky male clothed in rumpled jeans and a sweatshirt with longer-than-advisable grayish hair the stubble of a shut-in, and obviously facial disposition of someone not predisposed to conversation. Next to me is a short, auburn-haired, 40-something, most likely smartly dressed, though I have no facts to back this up, an attractive young woman who is clearly a decade or so younger than her male companion. The actual disparity in our ages is about 15 years, but I'd have to concede that we could be, and often are, mistaken for father and daughter. Since I've more than once had sex with the aforementioned attractive young 40-something, regularly mistaken for someone I might have sired, the error makes me cringe appropriately. Never seems to bother Carla. Morning. I feel Carla's body angle slightly to the left and understand she's greeting the battle axe as we pass her and, I assume, the emotionally unavailable husband. When a pleasant good morning is returned and a squeaky cart passes ours, I fix the old broad for somewhere in the septuagenarian to octogenarian age bracket. Does a propensity for public intrusiveness arrive in the mail along with your AARP card? Clearly, we aren't out of earshot because Carla nudged me in the ribs and shushed me while quickening her step. When we came to a stop again, Carla reached across me and pulled something off the shelf. I don't know which one of these to get. 
but this one says it combines an 18-inch flexible tool with the most powerful drain-clogging gel available. I could have told her that 18 inches of anything probably wasn't going to do the job. But the idea of Carla elbow-deep in commode water brightened my mood. Carla managed to acquire all the crap she wanted, as well as most of what I'd mentioned, only after a brief lesson from me as to the vile, non-attributes of black olives versus the garlic-stuffed green ones that I prefer. I should note that the two jars she tossed into the cart weren't treated with the care one usually reserves for food contained in glass. You break it, you bought it. Well, I guess I bought you then. She was moving faster than I was comfortable with, so I had little time to do anything more than shuffle next to her, obligingly. Her last comment begged some sort of retaliation, but I'd not fully composed my analogy involving a goodwill purchase when she stopped to reach across me for something else. She paused mid-reach. Hey, you, Uh uh-uh, quit that. I knew that hey and was sure its benefactor would later wish he'd never crossed paths with the short redhead in what I could now smell was the produce department. There were definitely oranges in the vicinity. Listen to me, you soulless troglodyte. If your nose or any part of your body other than your hands touches the produce while you're checking it for ripeness, it's yours. Comprende? I assumed the soulless troglodyte was still standing there because I heard nervous feet shuffling and felt the familiar Carla Danning is making someone in the vicinity rue the day they were born vibe. A vibe I am all too familiar with. Buddy, I need to make sure you leave here understanding the importance of the obviously new-to-you information that I have just imparted, even though this is clearly something that anyone with their brainstem intact should know by age seven. And I'm going to also need you to share this information with your family and friends so that I can rest easy knowing that when I come to the store and approach a melon or an avocado or a cucumber, some stranger's nose juice has not just made contact with it. Are we clear? You picking up what I'm laying down? It didn't take a Mensa member to recognize there wasn't an actual question mark at the end of that tirade, so I assumed the soulless troglodyte wisely elbowed off in silence past the gaggle of looky-loos I knew had gathered based on the separate and distinct temperatures and smells of the fusty exhalations being pointed in our direction. Why do people feel the need to stand so close? There were innumerable affronts to my personal space occurring in tandem. Breath, smoke-filled clothing, dirty hair. People are so gross, a young female said. This somewhere to Carla's left, then punctuated her statement with a flurry of gum snapping that sent shockwaves to the soles of my feet. It was like biting down on a copper penny. I was about to elaborate on another gross habit that came to mind, but Carla scooted us around the glut toward the cash registers. It's weird that I knew that. I have no sense of physical direction now, but I hear things differently. The beep-beep of the scanners was probably my first clue, though I don't remember it being so. Somehow I just felt it all at once. The items of varying weights being placed on conveyor belts. A more condensed area of idle chatter, and a nearby swish-swish of the doors. I noticed the temperature was different too, as you got closer to the front of the store. Bursts of winter from outside lingered in to mingle with the warm, recycled air. 
That's all fine and dandy, but in my line of work, I don't have the luxury of taking a moment to do sensory inventory. Most of the folks I deal with aren't exactly nature's bounty. Hard to serve a court summons on a sex offender or drug abuser when said rapscallion could be holding a hunting rifle when he opens his front door. Once you hear a shell enter the chamber, it's a little late. Carla's comment was still nagging me as we headed to the car. I felt the need to refresh her memory about how broken I already was when we met. How, from the time she'd begun stalking me after she fled Florida and changed her name, what she found was a man with little patience for anything other than the drink. A private detective who'd published a few crime novels, but by the time she laid eyes on his perpetually put-upon countenance, hadn't been able to come up with 50 words in over a year. Someone who could count his friends on one hand, with more than a couple digits left over. You didn't break me, Carla. That took a lot more years than you and I have under our belt. The uncomfortable human silence was enhanced by the inhumane sound of our cart's ill-aligned wheels raging against the blacktop. I heard keys jingling, then the sound of the trunk popping open. Mm-hmm, sure. Everything except your eyes, Morneau. That one's on me. <laughs> 